G'day, 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 and welcome everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate. And that's the horror junkie, Dominic. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff. The sort of fear your asshole knows about. As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast. All right, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. Hi, Kate. Hi, Dom. How are you? I'm fabulous, actually. I'm in one of those super positive moods again, which means I didn't drink last night. (laughs) Oh, nice. I didn't drink last night, technically, but I did drink all day. So does that Uh, count? That is a total workaround. I'll pay that. I had some incredible friends that I've known since uni come over and we just had the best time. It was so relaxed, really good to catch up. And yeah, I feel pretty good today, though, because I was in bed by, you know, half past ten. And had my solid eight hours, and now I'm good to go. A bit of shenanigans on the weekend is just what the doctor ordered. Absolutely. Why don't I just jump straight into it? I've been in this world all morning, so it's time for me to share it with someone else because I'm going to glow uh, insane if I don't share it. So... <laughs> more insane. <laughs> more insane. You're so right. More insane. The topic that we are looking at today is clowns. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that was the most <laughs> unexcited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about I do the? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the one. There we go. Horrifying. Sorry, I'm not being much used to you today. <laughs> that was perfect. I never know. Whenever I leave those little breaks for us to, you know, have some conversation. Who knows what's going to happen? But I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, You're so welcome. clowns. So clowns is a very common fear mm. I have found. So when we were discussing what kind of episodes we're going to do, a lot of the people I spoke to said clowns was a, a big fear. Very common too. So in terms of, you know, I always like to talk about the phobia yep. behind these, you know. Uh, so coolrophobia is the fear of clowns. Oh, coolrophobia. Can you can you spell that, please? Yeah, of course that's... I can. So it, you would think it's coolrophobia because it's C O U L R O P H O B I A, but mm. it's phonetically pronounced coolrophobia. Wow. So okay. that is the fear or the phobia of clowns. Uh, children and adults who fear clowns may experience extreme irrational reactions when they see clowns in person or see pictures or videos of clowns. Uh, some people, someone with a fear of clowns is coolrophobic and they will go out of their way to avoid exposure to clowns. Fair enough. So history, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. I'm so glad you're doing this one, Kate, because this is Mm. like, this is such a common one and, um, and I believe that it's steeped in a lot of history. So I think this is probably going to be one of our most popular episodes ever because, there's so much good stuff here. So I'm pumped Definitely. to see what you've cooked up. Yeah. And look, to be honest, as I'm going through, I do just briefly touch on some stories you could do for each of these sections that I'll go through. You could genuinely do a whole episode on each, but this is a, a cute little wrapped up parcel of some little bit of history, the reasons behind being afraid of clowns and a couple of examples of creepy clown stories in real life. And obviously some pop culture. Love I it. can't avoid doing something unless I'm talking about a film. So that will certainly come up as well. But yeah, it's such a huge common fear of a lot of people, children and adults. 
so in terms of the history, clown-like characters have been around for thousands of years. So it's not mm-hmm. a new thing. So historically, jesters and clowns, they were used uh, for poking fun at powerful people. So they were entertainers, but it was a way that they could, you know, pick on emperors and kings and queens and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so jesters and other characters that were ridiculed, they go back uh, at least to ancient Egypt. We had our Egypt episode. But there are there is hieroglyphic evidence that a form of clown existed in Egypt. So that, I mean, to me, that's like a double whammy. Imagine being cursed by a mummified clown or something like that. Oh. Awful. Um, <laughs> the Greeks and Romans, they also had their clowns. So they worked in, you know, obviously when you strike back to Commedia dell'arte and things like that in, in Greek history of performing arts and things, uh, clowns and jesters were very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the English word clown first appeared sometime in the 1500s with my boy Shakespeare. He used that term to describe foolish characters in lots of his plays. The now familiar circus clown with a painted face, wig and oversized clothing uh, came in about the 19th century and it's really only changed slightly in 150 years. So that's a little bit of a snapshot of the history, but thousands of years old, the, the sort of premise of the clown. Now, how does pop culture fit into my fear of clowns? So I, I would not say I'm coulrophobic. So naturally doing the research for this, I was looking at lots of pictures, video, content around clowns. I don't have an irrational fear, yeah. but I think I have a, a well-placed you know, concern or caution when it mm. comes to clowns. How about yourself, Dom? Are you sort of Look, af- afraid, not coulrophobic, but you certainly have a bit of a fear I, th- I think, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's one of my top fears for sure, but I think from my time living in uh, America, in the States, I definitely inherited, I think, a little bit of it because there is like a concentration or maybe like an obsession over there around, I don't want to sp- do any spoilers, but where the fear of clowns came from or some of their, some of their biggest serial murderers or Mm. um and and then pop culture as well i think because i was at such an impressionable age i definitely picked up on the tail end of some things that you're probably going to mention soon and Mm -hmm. i i get it but i don't think it was the clown bit that specifically scared me i just think maybe the storytelling and the scenarios were what scared me clowns themselves nah sure I, i wouldn't say i'm phobic at all yeah, and I think that that's one of those things where, yeah, it, there is a, naturally a big difference between being, you know, bothered by something and having a, a genuine clinical phobia of something. Uh, but, yeah, I do go in a little bit later, I go into sort of the, the reason behind why people might be a little bit concerned. Or So as I'm reading through some of the examples, try to sort of keep some of those things in mind because when we talk about the reason behind them being frightening – um, yeah, there's some sort of common threads that, cool. that go through. So I'm taking uh, now, notes. I'm a good student, Kate. Please do. I mean, I had to count the mysteries in last week's episode. Um, so you could do the, the common threads, common mm-hmm. threads this week. All right. So in terms of, um, pop culture, so modern versions of the kind of creepy clown, a lot of people are probably think straight away of, of it, the character from, from the modern adaptations Mm -hmm. um that's probably one of the most recognizable creepy clowns 
in the you know most recent history. Uh, however, the idea of a murderous and deranged clown was actually evident in 1892 when I was born uh, with the <laughs> opera Pagliacci. Have oh. you heard of Pagliacci before? I have not. I heard she's lots of fun when you go out, but... <laughs> she's so much fun. Loose uh, cannon. Yeah. <laughs> so 1892, so very much a sort of, again, Commedia dell'arte style sort of performance, uh, but it's it's a tragedy. It's an mm. opera where the story ends with an obsessive, paranoid and insanely jealous clown going on a Shakespearean rampage, stabbing his wife, her lover and himself to death. Oh, okay. So that's 19, uh, sorry, 1892. So we're going yeah. back a ways where people were seeing these things in performance and going, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit creepy. Don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's very yeah. violent. Like that's, I'm, I guess I understand the error, but it makes perfect yeah. sense. But all of a sudden you're seeing it from not from like a human perspective. You're all of a sudden seeing it from this very uh oxymoron type this is meant to be a really happy character and now it's not <laughs> yeah exactly right so and that's sort of that juxtaposition i'll certainly sort of chat about that a little bit later but that's a huge part of kind of the purpose behind people's caution when it comes mm. to cl to clowns that's for sure uh, so the next in pop culture if you're thinking about uh you know famous clown like characters the joker is a huge one so the Joker was created in 1940. So he appeared in Batman number one, the comic mm -hmm. book, DC comic. That was in, yeah, 1940. And that was the Dark Knight's own comic book series. So that's where the Joker was introduced. Yeah. So 1892, then 1940. So there's a lot of introductions of these characters that people are witness to, mm. where they are those menacing, creepy, kind of not traditional sense of, of a clown. Yeah. Then we've got 1986, Stephen King writes It, the novel. You're welcome. Now, something fascinating I found out about that is that that novel is 1,138 pages long. Oh. That is, to give you an idea, The Lord of the Rings is 1,178 pages long. So it's like 40 pages less than Lord of the Rings, the original Stephen King It novel. Wow. Insane. That is his, Stephen King's second longest novel that he ever wrote. And when I think of the movie or I even think of, you know, the original miniseries, what does, what does he, he talk, talk about? about from 1,100 <laughs> pages? I don't get it. Yeah, know. I mean, Tolkien's like coming up with new languages and talking yeah. about the colour of a tree for, I don't know, six or seven chapters. And you're like, radio, Easily. move on. Easily. Um, but yeah, how much, I don't know, sewer running is, is this character Pennywise doing in, a, you know, 1200 pages of text. But I did sort of had a bit of a look and there's, I'm sure there's listeners out there who have read the, the whole novel. Mm. Uh, and it does sort of take place at, you know, 27 years worth of, of, of terror that the children go through and everything like that. So, okay. I mean, who knows? I'm never going to read it. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. That would take me the rest of my life to read. I'm not a, not a huge reader. I mean, I can read, that's a staple of being a teacher. I can read, but I'm a drama teacher. So it's like, I can read scripts. That's enough. I'll read it for you. How about that, Kate? Cause I love to read. Please. So, Amazing. and I am a huge fan, Steve, Stephen King fan. So, um, yeah, um, I would be, I just... you know, I'm sure I could do a, a spark notes, but I'd be, I'd be really keen to know. Yeah. What encompasses 1200 pages of, of a spooky clown. I, yeah. Mm. 
So uh, that's in 1986. 1990, the book was turned into a miniseries starring Tim Curry. Um, now, I thought that was a movie. I didn't realise it was a miniseries. It's a two-part, mm. two-parter, so I didn't realise that. But, yes, yeah, so that was released in 1990. And then 2017 and 2019, they were the modern adaptation. So It and It Chapter 2, respectively. Mm-hmm. Now, a clown... So I'm not... I've said I'm not a huge fan of, of scary movies, but I actually I really enjoyed the It films. Once I kind of knew what was coming, I get that's the thing. It's like if I get shocked by it, I don't like it. But I'd watched a couple of YouTube videos, waited until it came out on Netflix and then watched them. Really, really enjoyed them. I mm. thought they were really good movies, aside from being scary. Um, but a clown skulking about in a drain, like flip top head, endless rows of teeth. And then especially in the when his eyeball just like droops like his yeah. pupils is like just stuck it's <laughs> completely off kilter and he's gonna like shake his head to like bleh, <laughs> put it back together again that shit's weird like i mean i don't like it and that was yeah that's the unnerving stuff he's truly deranged like yeah mm-hmm. d- did not like uh but the film really good another movie which terrible reviews rotten tomatoes i think it's like a 35 percent not Particularly good, but I thought it was, I thought it was scarier than it oh. when I saw it. But it's it's called Clown. Have you seen? <laughs> it was so <laughs> original. Seen? It's so good. It's really original. Um, I bet you can't guess what it's about. Mm. <laughs> but it's definitely. Um, it was. I found it a bit creepier because it has had a little bit of that kind of supernatural stuff naturally yeah it has that as well but to give you i really enjoyed uh i just went onto wikipedia for a bit of a synopsis um i won't spoil it for you but essentially i I enjoyed their little their little synopsis so kent mccoy stupid (laughs) character name i don't like it but anyway he is a real estate agent and a loving father who hosts a birthday party for his young son jack however the clown hired for their party is unable to make it Fortunately, Kent discovers an old clown costume in the basement of a house he's selling and puts it on. <laughs> Great idea. Great like, fucking idiot. idea. Yeah. After the party, he falls asleep wearing the costume and the next morning he finds he is unable to take it off. Mm. So that's the premise. Okay. He's forced to go to work wearing the costume. <laughs> he tries to take it off again. <laughs> He complains about the situation to his wife, Meg. She's able to remove the fake nose. So he has one of those, you know, soft, squishy, fake red mm. noses. Um, so she manages to take that off, but she she literally rips off like part of the end of his nose. So oh. it's so stuck. Like she, she, yeah, rips that off. Then Meg also realizes that the clown's wig has become Kent's real hair. So it's mm. no longer a wig. It's fused itself into his head. So he has this kind of rainbow wig. His face has been, you know, his nose has partially been ripped off. So it's all red and scabby. Essentially a natural kind of clown nose from a wound. So awesome. Thank you. Uh, Kent starts to exhibit exhibit strange behavior and experiences a deep sense of hunger eating all the food in his house. (laughs) Then Kent enlists the help of Herbert Carlson, the suit's previous owner, Carlson begs him not to touch the costume, but after learning that Kent is already wearing it, he insists on meeting him at an old costume warehouse. Totally normal. Mm. And then Kent learns that the costume is the hair and skin of an ancient Icelandic demon called the Cloyne. Oh my goodness. (laughs) 
Here we I go. Mean, I mean, it's got, yeah, it has the umlaut above the, the O as well, but that's essentially the premise as the movie continues. So he had some makeup on, he can't take the makeup off. So it's start like his face goes all weird and yucko and then like starts to grow the weird teeth and it's just goes downhill. Yeah. Um, but I thought that like cloying, it kind of sounds a little bit just like how you'd say clown if you had a thick Irish accent or something. Yeah. Like the oh, cloon. Make sure you don't, stop the cloying. <laughs> it is Irish. Don't let the cloying in. Yeah. Um, which I enjoyed. But look, to be honest, uh, it doesn't end well for the kiddies or the cloying. Um, yeah. Apparently he has to eat kids or something. Anyhow. But if you want to be sort of real creeped out, I liked that one. I thought it was pretty creepy. And what um, year is so, this? Um, great question. It's a year that the film came out. Oh. Pick a year. <laughs> I didn't actually it's, write that down. No, it's probably around like it sounds like it could be in response to it. So I imagine it's probably in the nineties or even early two thousands would be my Yeah, twenty fourteen. Oh, okay then. So a few years before well, yeah, a couple of years before the original sorry, the adaptation of it, but certainly after um the miniseries cool so okay. yeah we've got a fair bit of pop culture that is essentially it's demonizing clowns so yeah. no wonder people have a little bit of a a fear because they are you know there's so many pop culture references and so many films and stories that paint them in this light that no wonder people have a reasonable sense of fear mm. around these characters when they're not really shown as what their original intention was is to be you know fun and laughing and tell jokes and be a, a you know a sense of joy they've been completely flipped so um the other which this could be you know something that was the tail end of you being in the states i think this is around the time you might have been in there towards the end part but i can't talk about clowns and horror without talking about john wayne gacy yes so john wayne gacy for those of you that don't know now again there would be hundreds of episodes of true crime stories about John Wayne Gacy but if you haven't listened to any of those or you don't really know here's a really little snap like a snapshot so John Wayne Gacy's public face was a friendly hard-working guy he was also a registered clown who entertained community events under the name of Pogo but between 1972 and 78 he sexually assaulted and killed more than 35 young men in the Chicago area and he told investigating officers before his arrest you know, clowns can get away with murder. Mm. <laughs> but he didn't get away with it, thank God. He was found guilty of 33 counts of murder and was executed in 1994. So was that, when were you in the States? Yes, that's that's when I that's was there. Around that time, was, yeah. Yeah. And there are so many podcasts you could go oh. listen to. Um, so yeah. go listen to Red Handed or My Favourite Murder or Case Fight. Like, just go, because it is... it is two or three episodes in itself and it's Mm. terrifying yeah and yes so so after all of that he i mean he was identified as the killer clown Mm. so now all of a sudden you're seeing his picture and then or pogo on the front page of a newspaper saying killer clown so it's not really working for the clown's pr department for people to think of them in a positive light when you're seeing that this guy killed 30 what was charged with 33 counts of murder but like there could be more who knows um but Bizarrely, and this is creepy too, Gacy loved his clown persona. So when mm. he was in prison, he began painting yeah. lots of, of, of portraits. A lot of them were clowns. 
self-portraits of him as Pogo. Uh, but the other thing was that he had already been convicted of sexual assault in 1968. Mm. So, you know, six or seven years prior to him going on this rampage. And then after that, he was convicted. He was still given access to perform as Pogo at, at go to children's parties. And mm-hmm. bleh, yeah, no thanks. Um, so that kind of fueled America's fear of that stranger danger and predatory behavior. Um, and yeah, really made clowns a subject of, uh, suspicion. Mm. Like they, they were just like, no, we don't trust clowns. No, thank you. Totally valid. Yeah. It's such a fascinating time in human history, the seventies, seventies, eighties, and a little bit into the nineties that if it wasn't stranger danger, it was also like satanic stuff as well. And just the paranoia and the shift in human behavior from leaving your doors unlocked, kids out on the street, go get Mm -hmm. yourself an ice cream from the ice cream. Mr. Whippy shouldn't be. And then it just did this massive flip on its head. It's like, uh, yeah, preaching to the choir here, I think. But if anyone loves true crime, you know that the 70s and 80s are just Ooh. Oh, the yeah. time. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, now, if we look at sort of a little bit later on, um, there started to become sort of a little bit of a craze around dressing up like a clown, scaring people. Some people did it as, you know, a form of performance art. There was someone who dressed up like a clown <clears throat> in Northampshire for over a year and just Mm. stood on the corner holding balloons, really creepy. But that was part of a photography, I suppose, project that Mm -hmm. went for over 12 months. Um, But this story, so I found a couple of real life stories. Naturally, John Wayne Gacy is a huge one. Again, you can go and listen to separate stuff about that. But here were a couple of other little real life stories that certainly creep me out. Um, So on May 26, 1990 in Wellington, Florida, Marlene Warren opened her door to find a bald-nosed clown holding a bouquet of red and white flowers and two balloons, one emblazoned with a picture of Snow White. The clown shot her point-blank in the face, and she died two days later in hospital. Warren's teenage son saw the clown run into a white Chrysler LeBaron and escape, never to be found. Oh, (laughs) and it's a LeBaron. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like the <laughs> world's worst that, car. <laughs> oh, um, the Palm Beach County Sheriff said that this is the strangest thing I've seen in all my 19 years of law enforcement. Warren's husband, Michael Warren, he was the prime suspect in this mm. crime. Police searched his office at a West Palm Beach car dealership and he found and they found evidence that he tampered with odometers, but nothing that connected with the wife's murder. <laughs> So yep. it's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> He's done a Ferris Bueller, but we can't find a clown suit. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We, we don't need to find the, the, the clown. We'll just, we'll get yeah. this guy for fucking with odometers. That's so stupid. Exactly. But anyway. Um, look, there was a suspected affair and a five-figure uh, life insurance policy that made it look, this whole situation look a bit suspicious. Mm. Uh, Michael Warren was alleged, allegedly romantically involved with a female employee the flowers and balloons delivered before Marlene Warren's murder were purchased at stores near the employee's apartment and costume shop employees tentatively identified her as the woman who purchased a clown costume on the same day, mm. but neither were charged with murder and the case remains unsolved. Wow. So, yeah, that is just check your little peephole before you go and open, <laughs> open your door. And if a clown's standing there... Don't do it. 
Oh my goodness. I'm Yeah, I'm so fascinated. I want to go and read more about this. I just loved unsolved cases. It's my favorite thing in the world. So cool. And I'll be curious as well. So, I mean, that article was from, uh, I think 2014. So Mm -hmm. it could, it could have been solved in that, that meantime, but, um, definitely creepy oh my god yeah i mean and look in australia for those that don't are listening and don't live in australia peepholes are not really a common thing um whether you're in the suburbs or whether you live in the city if you live in an apartment sure you might have like um like a security door and and a phone and you can see who's buzzing you but yeah Yeah. no peepholes are not really an australian thing so you don't know who's going to be on the other side of the door exactly it's a clown you can yeah, get if it's your... a clown, you can get stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> I will be locking all my doors. No, thank you. Uh, so the next story that I found, and there was quite a few around sort of 2014, 2015, 2016, all over the world, some people just go on clown nuts. I don't know what was going on, but yeah. So for example, October 2014, armed clowns terrified residents in Wasco and Bakersfield in California. Uh, is it Wasco? Does that sound right? Who knows? Uh, why, let's why, why should we get to a point where we care about pronunciation <laughs> by now? What is this? Look, if you're the first <laughs> shit and bricks listener from Waco, Wasco, California, yep. you, I give you full permission to email us and let us know what we're doing wrong, please. Please, please do. In fact, audio recordings of phonetic uh, pronunciation is better. So just yeah. send us some audio clips. Um, so anyhow, the, the sightings began after a Wasco couple posted photos of themselves in creepy clown costumes as part of a year long art project. But then those photos went viral and copycats started to appear. Mm. The Bakersfield police watch commander, Lieutenant Jason Matson, told Reuters that, that we've been having sightings all over the city. They range anywhere from a guy carrying a gun to a guy carrying a knife and running up to houses. Ooh, no, thank you. Uh, one teen was arrested for chasing a minor while dressed as a clown, but no other pranksters were caught. Uh, various Twitter and Instagram's account, uh, Instagram accounts from the time, including a Facebook fan page, posted images claiming to be the creepy clowns. They've all been deactivated uh, mm-hmm. except for one, apparently. And then 2013 was the Northampton uh, clown who essentially mm-hmm. looked a bit like Pennywise. And again, would just stand on the corner of a street, like a traffic intersection and just stare at people. Didn't say anything, didn't do anything, just stared at people. So that was a little bit, um, creepy. creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, interesting. Artistically, I love that idea of, you know, I don't want to take credit from someone who's honestly trying to do something in an artistic way, but yeah, it's, I think as well, it's sort of, you know, as we're going through the things that kind of jump out at me is that standing mm. and just staring silently, like it just, it's unnerving. That's mm. the big thing. You're just like, I don't, what, what's going on? I don't yeah. like it. Please don't. Um, yeah. Which is very creepy, but certainly, I mean, look on YouTube, look on Twitter, look on Instagram, whatever. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of videos of people you know, playing pranks and dressing up like clowns and standing in an elevator. And, you know, obviously yeah. Halloween is a huge time for people to dress up like uh, all matter of clowns. You're kind of traditional, like Bozo the Clown type deal. Mm. Or you've also got the ridiculously scary ones with the, you know, huge eyes and sharp teeth and crazy hair and yeah. all of that sort of stuff. Uh, 
but it's just the yeah the creepiness factor is is what gets you i suppose um so looking into that i was curious there's so many examples of scary clowns Mm. that's that's a given i've touched on just a couple of them but what i was more interested in is why do we find clowns scary yeah what is it about them you know why is it something that is so terrifying or yeah what what is it about it because that's my that was my biggest thing kind of wanting to write this uh this episode was this again it's easy to say yeah all of the examples of clowns i can think of are scary Mm. so what is it about them that makes them scary so i found this exceptional article and i'm just going to use a little snippet of it but i encourage and i will post the link for it uh but i encourage anyone to read it because it's fantastic uh, it is by a psychologist by the name of Frank T. McAndrew. Mm-hmm. So he's a professor of psychology. And he wrote an article about the psychology behind why clowns creep us out. And so I'll share a bit with you, which will give you a bit of an idea of, yeah, the, the psychology behind it, which I love. So the section of the article I want to cover is the nature of creepiness. Mm-hmm. So we spoke about creepiness. This is the nature of that. So, psychology can help explain why clowns, the supposed purveyor of jokes and pranks, often end up sending chills down our spines. So, Frank's research was one of the first studies of creepiness. So, there haven't really been a lot in terms of that specific study of why things creep us out. So, this is one of them. Um, Now, Frank had a hunch that the feeling, um, you know, that feeling creeped out might have something to do with ambiguity. So not really knowing how to react to mm-hmm. a person or a situation. So they created the study and they recruited uh, just over 1,300 followers, sorry, volunteers, <laughs> ranging in age from 18 to 77 um, to fill out an online survey. So the first section of the survey, they rated the likelihood that a hypothetical creepy person would exhibit 44 different behaviours such as unusual patterns of eye contact Mm -hmm. or physical characteristics like visible tattoos. In the second section of the survey, participants rated the creepiness of 21 different occupations. And in the third part, they simply listed two hobbies that they thought were creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Then in the final section, participants noted how much they agreed with 15 statements about the nature of creepy people. Okay. So they've got a pretty good pool of, uh, you know, information. So four different sections of this survey to gauge how 1,400 people believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How they think people are creepy. All right. Now, the results indicated that people we perceive as creepy are much more likely to be males than females. I found that really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and that unpredictability is an important component of creepiness and that unusual patterns of eye contact and other non-verbal behaviours set off our creepiness detectors big time. Mm-hmm. As yep. I was reading this, straight away I'm thinking about everything I've just mentioned prior to getting to, like, <laughs> a creepy, uh, you know, eye, unusual eye contact, non-verbal behaviours, like, hello, this is just the plot to it, you know. Yes. I was talking about his woozy eye before. Yes. That's the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, it goes on to unusual or strange physical characteristics, such as bulging eyes or wonky eyes, a peculiar smile or, um, inordinately long fingers. Mm. Now they didn't 
in and of themselves perceive someone as creepy. So those elements individually, we don't necessarily perceive one as creepy, uh, but the presence of weird physical traits uh, can amplify any other creepy tendencies the person might be exhibiting, such as persistently steering the conversation towards weird sexual topics mm-hmm. or failing to understand the rules of bringing a snake or a goat into the office. So, you know, Pam brings her pet snake when it says in the handbook, Pam, don't bring your pet snake dull. It's weird. Nobody's yeah. <laughs> bothered. That in and of itself is kind of like, okay, Pam's a bit bit of a kook. She keeps bringing her snake in to, to work. Yeah. But if Pam walks in with bulging eyes, long fingers and teeth poking out and brings the snake, the snake. too, there sets off our creepiness. Yeah. <laughs> our no, creepiness that makes sense. with the scale is... Yeah. <laughs> Um, shout out to Pam, by the way. Oh, love we you. love you. <laughs> <laughs> Pam, the snake wrangler. Love your work. All right. Now, when Frank asked people to rate the creepiness of different occupations, surprise, surprise, the top of the list, cloins. Cloins. It's our friends, cloins. Oh, they're um, so misunderstood. So, oh, I know. It's sad. And there is, I mean, there was a part of, um, uh, the article I did omit from this, but it was around people that are genuinely passionate about clowning mm. and about that as an art form and as about a form of entertainment and trying to bring happiness and joy. But they've just got such a, a shit rep. Like it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> no, but, against the... and that's what I think. That's what it goes back to for people. It's something it, we, we've done this in previous episodes too, Kate, where we talk about a doll, for instance, like a doll is meant to be the epitome of, a sweet, innocent child's toy. It's as innocent as it could possibly be, innocuous mm-hmm. as it could possibly be. So therefore, anything out of the norm of it, I don't know what the word is. Kinda, I guess it just turns it even that. more scary because yeah, of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's, it's just, yeah, flipping. It's that juxtaposition. It mm. is supposed to identify as something that, that does this. But if you flip that on its head, then all of a sudden it just goes to the completely opposite end of the spectrum. It doesn't even become neutral. It's like, nah, you go from innocent and lovely as a doll, then you make the movie Chucky and we're all fucked. Like there's no in between. It's just innocent, cute, bringing joy, doll, clown, whatever the case is, or it's got a Pez head that's full of teeth and its eye goes wobbly. Like that, that's it. There is no in between. And (laughs) these are things and objects that are meant to make you feel safe or bring out your vulnerability or, you know, all that sort of stuff. So you're probably, you're in a more, you're in a state where you're more likely to get scared because this thing is trying to draw you down one direction and then it's, yeah, the opposite. Totally. Yeah. So look back to Frank's study. So the the results of the survey, they were consistent with the theory that getting creeped out is a response to the ambiguity of a threat. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's when we're confronted with the uncertainty of that threat. That's when we get those chills. So, you know, for example, it would be considered rude and strange to to run away in the middle of a conversation, (laughs) um, you know, with someone who's sending out a, a creepy vibe. But that is actually harmless. You, you know, running away or somebody else running away, um, that's harmless. But at the same time, it could be perilous to ignore your intuition and engage with that individual if they are, in fact, a threat. Mm. So the ambivalence of that situation, that's when it leaves you frozen in place and you just 
are in a state of discomfort. Terror, yeah. That's the issue. Yeah, you just, you you don't know how to respond. You're like, yeah, I can run away. But then you're like, no, that's weird. So I won't, but I'll stay here. But you're weird. I don't know what's going on. I'm very uncomfortable. That's where that comes from. Sorry to interrupt again, but that yeah, reminds no, me of the Colleen Stan test episode that we did where we talk about mm-hmm. especially women often in these these horrible situations where there's like a kidnapping or anything like that who uh, feel that they've got to be people pleasers and they say, I don't want to get out like Colleen Stan. There's a box next to her in the back of the car. I'm a bit freaked mm. out, but I don't want to get out and seem rude to these lovely people that have given me a lift. So I'll yeah. just convince myself that it's all normal and safe and stay. Wherein right. her gut was telling her to get the hell out of there because this mm. is not normal and you don't need to be a people pleaser <laughs> exactly. You, you right. don't owe these people anything ever. Yep. If someone's freaking you out, you can be rude. Be rude. Walk yeah. away. Exactly. Like You'll imagine live. how the story of the Macca's phone scam episode we just released, how that story would have ended had mm. they just gone, no, this is weird. I don't, I'm not accepting this. Bye. That no story. The end. No trauma. No absolute horrifying detail. Like yeah. that would be it. It's really strange how the human psyche is like i don't want to upset you so i will stand here and listen to the same conversation you've told me 47 times uh because i don't want to appear rude Mm. so yeah that's kind of the um that that basis of when you are feeling uncomfortable about situation if someone's staring at you and you know they start dribbling or their eye goes wonky like in it you're just like oh It'd be rude to go because I don't know what's going on, but I, so I won't. I'll stay, but oh god, he's so weird. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so you just stay. Yes. So look, the reaction of that, uh, Frank says, that can be adaptive. So something that we evolved with. So being creeped out is a way to maintain vigilance during a situation that could be dangerous. Mm. So it hasn't set off, you know, the extreme flight or fight response, but you're building up to that. You're like, I'm just yeah. gonna stay tuned into this see what's going on uh yeah but that's where that creeped out feeling comes from so in light of the study results it's not at all surprising that clowns were found to be creepy but rami nader who's a canadian psychologist who studies coulrophobia so uh, remember that that's the actual phobia of clowns so an irrational fear mm. uh, nader believes that clown phobias are fueled by the fact that clowns wear makeup and disguises that hide their true identities and feelings. Mm. This is perfectly consistent with Frank's hypothesis that it's the inherent ambiguity surrounding clowns that makes them creepy. So whilst they might seem happy because they have a smile painted on their face, are they really happy? Mm. And they're mischievous in, in nature. So that puts people on guard. So people interacting with a clown during a routine, they don't know if they're going to get a pie in the face or if they're going to get pranked or yeah. something's going to happen. So you're already on guard. And then the highly unusual physical characteristics. So the wig, red nose, makeup, odd clothing, that just magnifies that uncertainty. What is this clown going to do? Like, yeah. I'm not into this. I don't like the uncertainty. Get away from me. Don't spray me with your little water flower. I don't want a bar of it. Yeah, rules of logic don't apply to this creature. They're not Correct. they're not properly human. They are something else and yeah. I can't read 
what to expect from their shoes, their pants, their hair, their wig, their smut. It's unpredictable, which makes them such great entertainers, but so poised to scare the shit out of you too. That's it. So it's just that, yeah, everybody just has that deep-seated kind of, I'm going to be wary of this Mm. character. So, you know, that sets a really good basis for them to turn them into these creepy things because they lean into those fears. That's what it is. They're leaning into those unusual physical characteristics or those, you know, they'll stare at you or they don't say anything that those non-verbal communicators that make people unnerved, they'll just lean into them as heavily as they can and bang, like you're already freaked out. It's a perfect recipe. Now in turn, like in addition to clowns, uh, Frank was saying through that survey, the other um, types of people that creep us out are taxidermists and undertakers. So they, uh, you know, sort of close. Hmm. And then i got to say, I could not have finished this article better than Frank, so I'm just going to read this verbatim. Do it. It says, uh, taxidermists and undertakers made a good uh, good showing on the creepy occupation spectrum, but they have their work cut out for them if they aspire to the level of creepiness that we automatically attribute to clowns. In other words, they have big shoes to fill. <laughs> I didn't see that coming, actually. Well done, Frank. That was great. I honestly couldn't have ended that article better. Uh, so I just kept that. So huge shout out to, um, yeah, to my boy, Frank T McAndrew. It's actually Francis T McAndrew. Um, but yeah, it's, I found that article on, uh, theconversation.com, but Mm. he does have a, a paper as well. So his actual research findings and all of the detail and information as well. But I loved that whole description and it makes complete sense. You know, it, it's it's so kind of obvious if you think about it, but yeah, it's it's just something that I found really fascinating researching and mm. trying to determine what it is about clowns that creep us the hell out. And turns yeah. out it's that that un, that uncertainty and that fear of a threat, but you don't really know, so you just get stuck. I think you did such a great job, Kate, of getting because we could get lost in a, a specific story, and hey, mm. we might do it in the in the future, but. I think this is a great way to introduce the topic of clowns to folks before you jump into like a full-blown story. Like one day we'll have to do John Wayne Gacy. We'll just be another one of them and we'll do it anyway. Or maybe I'll do it because it seems a little more dark and up my alley more so than you. But it does does remind me after listening to you um, explain it in such a clear way, it reminds me of uh, why we find things like masks you know, so scary as well. It's not Mm -hmm. necessarily a mask of a clown, but just any sort of mask hides that part of the face where you were meant to read people's emotions or their intent from it. And as soon as it's covered, you don't know what to expect. And clowns are just another form of a mask, really. And if you think like, imagine if you saw David Copperfield, that's his name, the magician, like if you saw any magician, any favorite magician of yours, you know that something interesting is going to happen and, you know, they're going to do something that you can't quite puzzle out, but you still aren't scared of the magician necessarily because the magician's just another human being doing, doing mm. some cool stuff. Imagine if a magician did all of that, but was wearing a giant creepy grin the whole time or had mm. creepy long fingers and then did magic. You'd be freaked yeah. the hell out. You wouldn't, Absolutely. you wouldn't trust the magician anymore. You'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. Yeah, totally. I completely agree. And it's even, you know, that, that fear of uncertainty, a fear of unknown, 
you can absolutely, you know, if you read anything about any kind of anxiety or anything like that, that's, it's so common. It's just something that is just in the human psyche to be concerned about things that are either out of our control or we don't understand. We're not sure we've got to put everything in a box. Let's mm. just pop it in a box. That's, you know, a human being doing tricks or you, yeah, you go, hang on, that doesn't fit into a box because it's a, I think it's a person, but they got a big costume and a mask and, and stuff and they're doing weird stuff and I don't feel comfortable, but I don't want to be rude and leave the show because I paid for a ticket. So I'll yeah. just sit here and be uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so It's so human. That is so incredibly human to do that. We're just too nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other thing too, it made me think of when you were talking about masks and you were talking about, you know, wanting to see what's beyond that mask. And I spoke about Batman and the Joker earlier, but one of my most favorite scenes, cause you want to know, you want to see the weird stuff. You want to mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, know what happened. But one of my most favorite scenes to teach in, in media about suspense is the scene in, um, the dark Knight when, uh, Harvey Two-Face reveals his Mm. uh, deformed face. And it's, if you watch the sequence, you're kind of introduced to it. And then it's two and I think it's around two and a half minutes before you actually see what you want to see. So from the second that Gary Oldman walks in there and starts speaking to him, all you want to do is see his deformed face. You know, it's happened. I want to see it, but it takes about two and a half or so minutes to get there. If you watch that, just sit with that uncomfortable feeling because you mm. are, you're just like, oh, it's the anticipation. It's like, oh, what's it going to be like when I see it? It's that that kind of build up, that suspense. I, I just attribute that to that sense of when a clown is in front of you, that's how you're feeling. You don't know how to process it. You need something to be revealed so that you feel comfortable. But with a clown, it's never done. Yeah. So it's just yeah. nonstop. Oh, Kate, you've outdone yourself this week. Well done. That was (laughs) such a beautiful combination of history and stories and then the actual reasoning behind it. Um, Yeah, I loved it. I I mean, I'm fortunate there's people out there that have written so much about it and I can just ride their coattails and cram it all together in a, you know, 40, 45 minute episode. But I really enjoyed this episode this week. I thought it was a lot of fun to... um, to research and I don't have coulrophobia because I was able to look at pictures without shitting myself. So bonus. Yeah. Well, congratulations. It is nice to get to the end of an episode <laughs> and not have to go change our diapers. <laughs> like our, Yeah, our that's diapers. so true. Not again anyway. Like I already put a freshie on for the start of the episode. <laughs> it's too soon. I'm going to go through them too fast. They're expensive. <laughs> well, you enjoy the rest of your uh, Sunday and yeah, to our listeners, thank you all so much for tuning into our our episode um we're we're feeling like we're on a little bit of a roll now so yeah make sure that you do subscribe um yeah jump onto Podchaser and give us a review and a like and tell one person tell one person you're listening to this and that you're having a fun time and then you know that'd be great we'd yeah, love it absolutely and we're coming up to the end of the year we've got some exciting things planned um for the end of the year and some even more exciting things planned for for next year so I don't know when this one will come out. It'll probably be around the the holiday time, but uh, please stay tuned um, for some exciting things to come. Yippee. All right. See you, Dom. Have a great day. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Ciao. Bye. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.